You are now listening to the all-new all new Shotgun Sports Podcast with your host, Justin Barker. We talk to shotgun shooters from all disciplines, world-class instructors, gun clubs, target setters, vendors, and industry-leading companies that fuel the sport. Fuel the sport. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and connect with us on social media. You can also catch our episodes on ShotgunSportsUSA.com. If you are looking to purchase Promatic traps for either personal or commercial use, the person you need to call is Rick Hemingway. Rick is the largest Promatic dealer in the country and is a one-stop shop for any of your trap needs. His team provides new and used trap sales and service that is second to none as he is available 24-7. They offer a huge rental fleet with over 100 traps available, so no job too big or small. Not only does Rick set and design sporting clays courses, but also offers turnkey services for skeet, trap, and five stand. Give one of the most well-known target setters in the country a call for any of your trap needs. Rick Hemingway, www.backwoodsquailclub.com or 843-546-1466. On the show with me today, I have uh, the one and only Dr. Colo, and Dr. Colo is out of Connecticut. He is a sports vision specialist, and if you have been in the sport long enough, uh, not really not even long enough, but just a, a time to hear someone talk about eyes, his name had to have come up in conversation. He has a lot of good information that I want him to share with you, and I want to hear uh, a lot of it myself. So... Also on the line with me, I have uh, Will Fennell. Will Fennell has Dr. Colo in. Uh, Will, what is it, once or twice a year for a, a clinic at your place? Yeah, COVID's kind of kind of knocked that back a little bit, but we try to get him down uh, as often as we can. And and also, Dr. Colo's just been amazing, not only for my own shooting, my wife's shooting, and our eye situations, and our prescriptions, and our glasses. Um, he's a great resource that we lean on a lot of times. We get stumped with an issue with somebody in their, their eyes or your vision issues and stuff. Doc Colo's always um, been very gracious with his time and very helpful to us. We'll call him a lot of times from the field. I think the folks in his office probably get a little PO'd at us because he's always interrupting somebody else's uh, 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 appointment to take a phone call from me or Carlisle or, or Anthony or, or somebody to, uh, to try to figure out what's going on with somebody's eyes. So he is a great asset and a good friend. And we, we really, really value his, um, his abilities to help us in this game. Well, that being said, welcome to the show, Dr. Colo. Well, thank you very much. That's quite an introduction. <laughs> I really appreciate it very much guys. You know, I was thinking about having you on and when I was thinking about having 
having a, a an eye doctor, so to speak, on the show with me, I, I instantly thought about one thing, and a lot of people will think about this one thing when they see that you're on the podcast, and that is eye dominance. And the the issue with eye dominance, and is it a is it a real thing, and is it something that really affects you, and can you really tell if you're left eye or right eye dominant? I mean, there's so many questions that you know everyone has, especially me. That uh, I'm really glad you're on, and you can maybe clear some of this up for me. Hey, hey before Doc even speaks, I'd like to say something about that, guys. At the shooting school, we probably get two or three people a month who have thought for years that their eye dominance is say left eye dominant and it turns out they're not they're truly right eye dominant or a lot of times it's somewhere in the middle um a lot of the older tests that have been used gun clubs for years and years and years are not very good tests they're very inconclusive they make a shooter pick one eye or the other and dr colo is the man who developed the definitive eye dominance test that we all use now that that really ascertains somebody's uh, and I'll let Doc explain this term better, cyclopean position. And um, through his help learning this, it has changed things dramatically for us on the coaching field. Well, how about Very that? Good one. <laughs> hey, can uh, we use some uh, smaller words, Will? Okay. I'll try to stick with the small words, but Dr. Colo is going to be the hard one to keep on the small uh, words. Okay. I try to, there's there's going to be the big problem. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Okay. A um, couple years, couple years teaching in school, and uh, it's hard for me to drop it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you hit a really big point. Okay, when you said, you know, this is there, you know, it, it is their dominance. Does it affect things? You know, uh, we'll get into the definition and 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 the practical application of all of this uh, in, in just a second. But you know, that that's something we should address right out right out of the shoot. You know, you go you go over the pond, and um, where you know, other than England, it's mainly fetus with a low gun, and you don't hear too much about dominance. Uh, while uh, with trap shooters, okay, where the gun is up in your face, okay, all the time, and skeet shooters for American skeet, you hear about it a lot. How come? Well, the truth of the matter is, dominance is a relatively moot point if the conscious is excluded. In other words, if there's no conscious relationship between the bird and the barrel, then the brain knows what to do. It's only when the conscious gets involved that we get into trouble if we are off dominant. You know, most people think we look at the bird hard pick a spot on the bird because, okay, we want to get better input. We want to, okay, see the speed, the angle, okay, uh, the distance. That happens in a nanosecond. Okay, the reason we're looking really hard at the bird is to give the conscious a difficult enough task to get it out of the way. Just looking at the bird doesn't work. It's got to be a tougher job. It's got to be a flash on the bird. It's got to be a spot on the bird. Uh, It's got to be a ring on the bird. David says he sees rings at 60 yards. I don't know if David sees rings at 60 yards, but I'll tell you something. David does see rings at 60 yards. Point being, 
that it's a situation that even if you create um, the visual necessary to get that conscious out of the way, then uh, dominance is moot. Okay, it it doesn't come into play. But we will we will develop that into okay uh, our plan as we move forward. But I just want I didn't want to miss that. And Doc, um, just everybody understand. Yeah. You say conscious and in in vision, you're talking about letting the barrel come into your conscious thought and your vision, letting the barrel come into focus. You're consciously driving the barrel versus focusing intently on the bird and letting that subconscious drive the barrel, correct? Absolutely correct. So you're saying you see the barrel as well as the bird? Well, Okay. Oh, this is going to be a good night. I like the way you guys are thinking. Okay. So, Justin, you've got to see the lead, but you can never look at it. Seeing the lead is subconscious. Looking at the lead is conscious. Okay. Makes sense. In other words, if you, Justin, if you were on a skeet field and you were on station one, low low one and you were left eye dominant shooting right handed uh-huh. with both eyes open you've got to shoot three feet behind low one to break it. now if you are not conscious of where that barrel is in other words the brain is seeing the relationship but it's subconscious the brain knows what to do but you're not consciously shooting three feet behind the bird okay because you don't know where the barrel is consciously Mm -hmm. but if you were going to consciously do it then you'd have to take that barrel and put it three feet behind the bird in order to break the bird right okay i can see that uh, boy with the three of us if we're not careful, okay, we're going to just, okay, my ADD, just, it, it takes over and I, I can go in five different places. <laughs> okay, so let's jump right in. Okay, kind of a definition of dominance. Right. The old definition of dominance really is on a practical plane, there's an eye that picks up the initial fixation and then the other eye comes in at an angle. Now, that's how we tell distance. That's how we tell depth perception. The angle that's formed at the object between the two eyes tells the brain how far away something is. And that's why, is that why, that's why you can't see depth if you cover one eye. That's right. Yeah. Exactly correct. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So, it's a circumstance where what we've learned, however, is that dominant position can be anywhere between the right eye and the left eye. And we kind of define that when we use that big word cyclopean, a cyclops. A cyclops has one eye in the middle of his head. Right. Well, if you take that eye and you move it just inside the nose on the right eye that would be okay kind of not center but in between right and center right 
the old ways of measuring dominance is you took an aperture and you looked at an object through the aperture and you brought the aperture back to the eye and whichever eye you brought it back to, that was your dominant eye. Right. However, we know now that that situation is flawed because it forces you to pick an eye. I was going to say that. So when I did that, um, it depends on where you bring your hands. I use my hands, you know, create the diamond in your hands. Yes. And I, whichever side I brought it up on my nose is where that, that my hands went to. So yep. it, it, if it wasn't perfectly in the center, it was slightly to the right, it would come to my right yep. eye. If I moved it to yep. the left, per, you know, barely to the left and brought it back to my eye, it would be on the left eye. So I thought you're, to myself, how, how does it, how is this accurate? You're, you're defining exactly how inaccurate that is. Right. Okay. So I'm going to go through right now five ways of determining, de- determining dominance and which are practical for the shooter to use. Okay. So the first way is measuring mechanical dominance. Okay. That is in what we call an objective method. Objective means that we see results that we can evaluate. Subjective is when the patient or the shooter is telling us something. Okay. So the way to do this objectively, I developed a system. Okay. And the system uses the right hand and the left hand and uses a five position set up between the two eyes. So the right eye would be number one in between the right eye and the nose is two. The nose is three in between the nose and the left eye is four and the left eye is five. Okay. Now we have a system that is universal that, that, okay. Will can call me and say, you know, Doc, I've got this. I've got this girl. Okay, she's an R two L three. So that gives me specifically the picture of where she is mechanically in terms of measuring the dominance. The way we do this best is to use an iPhone. We can use a camera, but you know the new phones work perfect, and you st- stand at least ten, twelve feet away. And what you'll do is you'll have the shooter look at the lens on the iPhone. Now, it's important that there's total concentration on the lens. And then simply bring the thumb of the right hand up to the lens and take the photo. And then bring the thumb up from the left hand to the lens and take the photo. And then we look at the photos and the positioning of both thumbs tells us where we're at. If we're at R1, L1, then we know we got a really strong mechanical dominance. If we're on R5, L5, then we know we have a strong left dominance. Now, Justin, we never spoke until about an hour ago, correct? That's correct. Okay, and so I had you 
take two photos and send them to me. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, up until this point, you felt because of the circumstance. Why don't you tell everyone kind of, now you're a master class shooter. Right. Okay. Tell everyone, okay, kind of what you've been doing uh, in, in, in terms of being able to achieve the level of shooting that you've achieved. Okay. Well, when I started, you know, um, which I think I started shooting in 16 uh, NSCA, I think it was. Anyway. Um, you know, I would mount the gun. I'd do all these little tricks and, um, eye dominance tests. And it was, it was said that I'm left eye dominant. Uh, so that's just what I assumed I was. Um, I've done the, the tape over the left eye. I've done the dots over the left eye. I've done the chapstick. I've closed my eye. I've squinted my eye. I've done it all. And I just assumed I was left eye dominant. So moving up through the classes, um, I'm shooting better. Um, then, you know, of course, when you start out and eventually I got to the point to where, when I would hold my gun in my right, you know, I would, I'm right, I'm a right hand shooter. So my left hand on the fore, fore end, I would cock my left thumb up on the edge of the fore end so that it would, so to speak, block out my left eye when I was going to pull the, when I was going to pull the trigger. Okay. Yep. So, and that's the way I've always done it. Still, yeah. still, I'll cock up that thumb thinking, okay, well, this long incomer that started out at 245 yards out there and it's coming in, it's going to land it at 30. And I'm going to cock that thumb up and I'm going to try to shoot it with my right eye. Yeah. And that's the way I've always done it. Now, yeah. I've gotten to where I've gotten probably because I've shot a whole lot. And I don't know if, I, I, and this is a good question to you. I don't know if it's, can you overcome eye dominance? Can you go from a left eye dominant shooter to a right hand dominant shooter? Can you figure out how to do that? Um, I, I don't eye know. Dominance, eye dominance doesn't change except for certain physical factors, which I'll get into later. Okay. Okay. In other words, there are things related to eye path, eye disease and stuff like that that can affect dominance, but you, you can't teach yourself okay, to compensate for eye dominance. <clears throat> and it doesn't switch part of the way through a round. Right. Okay. So, uh, which, we, which we will address very vividly moving forward. Right. But so so before, before we got on, I had to take two pictures. Correct. Did you see the two pictures? I saw them, but, you know, and I know about what you're looking for. So, I mean, I, I, it looked to me like my thumbs were both in my right and my left thumb were in the same spot to me. Yes. So your right thumb was between your right eye and the nose and your left thumb was between your right eye and your nose. So you are what we call, it was almost like an R1 L2 or an R2 L2. Okay. Uh, so you are the exact same dominant position as Dan Carla. Okay. And if I remember correctly, David Radulovich. Uh, David was R1 L1. Oh, I thought he was two. I think you you did it. So yeah, I, I saw the photo. Let's just, just yeah, let's just say I'm the same as David, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay. So so just looking at just looking at the mechanical dominance right now, okay, you really are in a position where you 
okay, should be able to shoot both eyes open. Right. Without your socking your thumb up. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But okay. So so that's the initial premise. Now we've got more things to go through that'll help tell us better where we where we want to be. Right. Okay. So that's the objective measurement. Uh Will or Justin, do you have any question about that objective measurement? No, not right now. Okay, this is important. Okay. Now remember, uh you folks out there, okay, when you do this test. The virgin test is the best one. Okay. In other words, the first time you do it on your, have someone do it on you or you do it on someone, because after you do it three or four times, you can kind of cover a bit. In fact, what you might want to do is actually do a video because what will happen sometimes is you bring your thumb up centrally and then move it over. It's that initial okay presentation that tells you kind of where you are what i don't like is some instructors now are using kind of a rapid technique okay up and down up and down right and left right and left i don't recommend doing that i think that that gets you kind of um compensating a bit um so so that defines the mechanical dominance so now we go to the second which is the perceptual dominance so now we're back in the brain and we're looking at a subjective test so now justin what i'm going to do is i'm going to have you point to something 20 feet away with your left forefinger with both eyes open doc i'm in a room here hold on one second (laughs) all right so i need to point at one thing that's 20 foot away from me with my with my left finger yep all right you're looking at where you're pointing at, yep. and you're going to close your right eye, and your right finger is going to jump way right. All right, I'm pointing it with my left finger, and I'm going to close yep. my right eye. Yep. Yeah, it jumps to and the right. Correct. Okay. Now you're going to point again, and you're going to close your left eye, and it's not going to move at all. Correct. Okay. Now you're going to point with your right hand and you're going to close your right eye and it's going to jump way right. Correct. Now you're going to point with your right hand and you're going to close your left eye and it's not going to move at all. That is correct. Okay. So now think about this. Think about this. If your strong right eye dominant or strong left eye dominant, when you occlude, when you cover one eye, it's not going to move at all. When you cover the other eye, it's going to move a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. If subjectively, it's someplace in between the right eye and the left eye, then you may you may get movement both ways. In other words, when you shut the left eye, the finger moves left. When you shut the right eye, the finger moves right. Now, if it's exact central, then it'll be equal how much the finger moves. But if it's kind of 
in between the right eye and the nose, it will probably move more right and less left. Are we all on the same page? Am I losing anybody? No, no, and I'm with you. But let me ask you a question while we're right here. Yep. Okay, when I look at that object and I hold my finger up, I see two fingers. That's right. That's called physiological diplopia. (laughs) I got to get a few of these words in. Okay, and that means that when you're looking at the object, the angle at your finger is such that you can't fuse the images when you're looking when you look at this. Close. if you looked hard at your finger then you'd see two two targets right that's correct uh, yep. yep so that that's perfectly that's perfectly normal okay, okay. so when you do that do you uh, i'm just going the gonna, brain I'm, knows the brain knows which one is the right one okay all right okay now Half the time that there's a central position, then you can't do what you're fi- doing with your finger, or you can't blink an eye when you break the trigger. Okay. Okay, so if you think about this, so if when you close the left eye, your finger moves left, and when you close the right eye, your finger moves right, then when you got into your thumb or you close the left eye, the barrel would move left. You don't have that circumstance. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh Will, did I get that one across okay? I think so, Doc, but I think we're now starting to get a little too much into um, stuff no, people probably not. think about a whole lot. Say that again? I'm, I'm worried if we talk too much about what the barrel is supposed to look like, people are going to look at the barrel more to see what the barrel looks like. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so it's a, it's it's simply a matter of, okay, this subjective test is very, very important to tell whether someone is perceptually in some place between the right eye and left eye. Yep. So bottom line here is if you get movement both ways, you cannot blink an eye. You cannot blink an eye when you're ready to pull the trigger. Okay. Because the ball jump. Or if you get movement, okay, opposite to the shoulder. In other words, if the gun's on the right shoulder, when you close the left eye, it moves left. You can't, okay, you can't, you can't close it on. Now, it's up to you guys to tell me when I'm getting too deep here, but I'm going to try to get it all in. So, this is really important. So if somebody's got a patch and they're trying to keep the patch small to, to keep it less obtrusive and they're shooting CTOS, if they're not going eyes first, but they're going hands first with the gun at times, then they're going to get out of the patch. Okay. So doc, you jumped ahead. People don't know what the difference between eyes first and gun first. Okay. Yeah. And, and I want to bring that up later. I don't want to yeah. muddy the waters. Okay. Yeah. 
so so what we're talking well, about, yeah, well, let's, let's drop that. Okay, so the point is with a patch, if you get out of the patch, okay, if if you're right, if you're shooting right-handed and you get movement left when you close the left eye or you're shooting left-handed and you get movement right when you're closing the right eye, then you have to be very careful in a low gun position that you don't, okay, get out of the patch as the gun comes up. Because as soon as you get in the patch, the gun's going to move three feet. Uh, if it's right-handed, then it'll move three feet left. If it's left-handed, it'll move three feet right. So you got to be very, very careful about that. So the patch has to be big enough if you're shooting feet test to make sure you don't get into trouble. And if you're going to be closing an eye, if you get movement, okay, for a right-hand shooter left, when you close the left eye, then you have to close that eye on pull. You can't close that eye when you're ready to break the trigger. Right. Okay, so we got objective, subjective, mechanical, perceptual done. All right, let me let, let's now, stop, let's stop right there for a second. Yep. You're talking about closing the eye, putting a dot over the eye patch, whatever it is. Is is that the right thing to do, or is the right thing to do to shoot the opposite hand? Uh, again, okay. Most people, the right thing to do is shoot the opposite hand. If there are five L fives, but if there are five, if there are three L fives, then even though they're on the left side, and even though they may not get any movement when they close the right eye, okay, they're probably still not going to be a good uh, uh, candidate for switching to the left. And there are a lot of other factors, Justin, related to that switch that are above my pay grade. Uh, in other words, above the eye doctors in relation to what the gun coach or instructor may consider before making a decision like that. Right. Okay. But if somebody is 100% left eye dominant, yep. generally speaking, the best thing is to switch to the left shoulder unless, you know, depends on if you catch them, part. if you catch them relatively early yeah. in their journey. Right. Yes. But if they're not trying to win the world, you know, the world championship and they've been shooting a long, long time and they want to be a better recreational shooter, maybe, you know, and shoot some registered tournaments, but they're not trying to be the 100% best they can be and do this professionally. Um, winking or patching might be a perfectly acceptable thing to do. Yes. But I always encourage people whose goals are to be the best they can be if if they are truly 100% left eye dominant, um, to at least try it because the eyes are going to love it. You know, when I had that on my eye, whichever one it was, whichever one it was the dot, the chapstick, whichever one it was, it was the time that it, at the time when you ready to pull the trigger, I could not help but see whatever was in my way. You yeah. bet your life, and and uh, I mean, you. you uh, you know, there is a God, 
because he gave you the perfect scenario for us to demonstrate everything we want <laughs> we want to demonstrate i mean this you couldn't have you couldn't have come up with a better script justin okay uh and you'll you when we get into the next phase you'll see exactly why okay you've created with that thumb a situation okay where you have no, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to give it away yet. Okay, wait, wait a minute. Okay, it's like Christmas okay. time for Doc. <laughs> okay, so we got it is okay. So we got three more things. These are just for the instructors. Okay, or the guys helping other people. They don't relate that definitively with us. Here's another test you can do if you're not sure whether you want to go to the other side or not. Uh, or how strong the dominant position is. You can go to the drugstore and get a set of 150 readers at the dimes, you know, the dollar store. Right. And and what to do is just okay, punch one of the 150 lenses out of the frame, and take that lens, and have someone look in the distance at something that they've got to kind of concentrate on. And with both eyes open, put the lens over one eye and then put the lens over the other eye. It should be a lot more comfortable when the lens is not on the dominant, the, not on the dominant eye. Okay. Okay. So you don't, you don't put the glasses on. You just punch the lens out and kind of move it with your hands. It, yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. The other thing. Uh, I, I, I'm going to throw it out. It's called near point of convergence. You have someone take their finger. Uh, if you take your finger and move it towards your nose, there's a point where it breaks into two fingers. Okay. If you watch someone's eyes when they do that, I've never seen it not do this. The non-dominant eye is the one that breaks out. The other one stays on. The third thing is something I've done, okay, a few times. Now that I saw my practice, I can't do it as much anymore. But I have an electroretinogram. You know, an EKG is for the heart, an ERG is for the eye. So I, I have an ele electroretinal, okay, in, in my in my office. And for dogs, say what it is again, electroretinogram. Okay. Retin okay. So what it does... Okay, is it measures the time each eye takes to get a fixation. And the dominant eye is always the faster one. But those three, oh. I, I, I just wanted to get that out. And there were times where I wasn't sure right or left, and I run a 300-hour ERG on the house. <laughs> so, so it don't matter with all this technology. You can remove... Um, you can make somebody see that wears glasses again where they don't wear glasses, but you cannot change eye dominance. It don't matter what you do. Correct. Now, there are, I, I might as well bring it up now then. There are certain conditions. Okay. There's been extensive studies done that show that visual acuity does not affect dominance. So you hear all people say all the time, well, my left eye sees better than my right, so my left eye wants to take over. That is at, not the case at all. Okay. Those poor people 20 years ago that spent all that money with me, 
that I blurred up the 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 the, the eye on them. Okay, uh, I I hope at the pearly gates they forgive me for that one. <laughs> so okay, that was a long time ago. <laughs> okay, so it does not affect dominance. What does affect dominance is what they call neutral density filtering, uh, a darker lens. Okay, uh, I had that's another older story that I don't want to get into. Okay. But a darker lens will move dominance to some degree. Now, what does happen? Now, Doc, is, Doc, Doc, before you go any further, yeah. clarify that, or you're going to have everybody just putting their put dark, dark lens on. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. To move it a little bit. Doesn't make it shift. Yeah, I played with that and didn't find it to be significant enough. Okay, here's what happened, guys. When I got it dark enough to really make a difference, then there wasn't enough light to keep using both eyes together. Right. So I got you. I want okay. to start over and say that again, clear, because people are going to run and go put their darkest lens on their left side and their lightest lens on their right side. Yeah, it it it. it, it it doesn't give you enough. Right. It, do, it doesn't give you enough. Um, but if someone's getting a cataract, or as we get older, the media becomes denser and denser. The media? Okay. What's the media? The, the, uh, the, the, the eye, as you're looking through it, the corneas on the front, the anterior chambers behind the cornea then the lens where cataracts form and the gel part of the eye all of that gets denser and lets in less light so if it's happening more in one eye than the other then that can have an effect on the dominance yeah but does it make you go from right eye dominant to left eye dominant or does it just shift the position a little bit you didn't ask me that question <laughs> okay. I, I would think that if you had a cataract in your, in your no, left, no, 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 Justin, we we don't want to delve on uh, this one. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's it's there's there's just too many facts. It, it, it would be an hour and a half discussion on this. Okay, yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna slide over that. Uh, Doc, things I want yeah. I want to leave people with some clarity about. Um, when most the ninety nine point nine percent of the time, when people think my dominance shifted during oh, the, yes, you bring up a very good point, Will. It's not happening. Take the, that's not happening. Yeah. Okay, I guess. Uh, so so basically, we, we but, better well, we better address this right now. We better, and then we can. L- let me let me forward. say one thing before you go before you go yes. to the next thing. So I'm a right hand shooter. I'm I'm just using an example. Okay, I'm a right hand shooter, and I'm left eye dominant. And in two years of me shooting like this, I can, I've heard people say before, well, I think that I've trained my right eye to take over. Right. Or they say I've done things to learn how to see what I need to see to break targets. Yeah. So when they say that they think they've trained their eye to see what, you know, the right eye to take over. Is that true? Are they still left eye? I guess they're still left eye dominant. They just know the picture that they need to see to break the target. Is that correct? Oh, boy. I, the way you said it, okay, has too much ramifications. But okay, let's, let's say it this way. All right. Dominance 
is moot, like we said before, mm-hmm. when the subconscious is in control. So if you're totally focused on the clay, you can do it. So people people say to me, you know, you know, Doc, as I got older, my left eye is now taking over. Uh, gee, you know, when I get tired, I see the left side of the barrel. My left eye takes over. Um, I get a little doubt on a shot. My confidence isn't there. My left eye takes over. What's really happening, Justin, is when the confidence is high, when the metabolism is up, when there's no fatigue, and you're trying to look hard at the target, you're able to concentrate totally on the target, minimizing any conscious relationship between the bird and the barrel in the dominant position has no effect. Wow. As you get more fatigue, as there's more doubt than confidence, you come off of the target to make sure, or you come off of the target because you're tired, and now the dominance raises its ugly head. That's absolutely amazing that that, that controls that. That's really cool. So how how do you stay? Okay. So now your situation is going to be the most perfect example for us. But let's, boy, Will, I knew this was going to, is this too complicated, guys? No, no, no. We okay? Okay. Well, the good thing thing about, the good thing about this whole conversation, if if someone don't quite understand it, they can rewind it and listen to it again. Will and I don't have that opportunity right now. That's right. (laughs) Okay, Justin, so let's now go to the next position. You are not strong right eye dominant. Okay. Okay. You're slightly central. Okay. So, okay, if we put you on a short trap target, traps right in front of you, and you yell pull, first thing you got is this orange blur. Right. Okay. If you pull the trigger instinctively on that orange blur, okay, it would be like a third baseman playing a ball on a short hop, not in control. Okay. Hey, don't get me wrong. Sometimes the target setter sets it up. So you've got to shoot a target on the blur. Right. But in other words, if you went pull bang and it was kind of an instinctive reaction, okay, you weren't in real control because that target's straight in front of you. There's only a moment that it's there. If you said bang at that moment, that's your area of visual control. If you don't pull the trigger at that moment, now the target's getting away from you. Now you're making sure. It would be like a third baseman letting the ball play him. So whether it's a short hop 
or letting the ball play you, you're not in control. But you have that area of visual control when you say bang. Uh, a level three instructor in, in Massachusetts, Bob Mastriani, gave me a great okay uh, uh, analogy here. You're looking through the small end of a funnel. When you yell pull, the funnel starts to turn. When the big end of the funnel gets over your eye, and you're looking through the small end and a spot on the bird, the gun goes off. If the gun goes off before the funnel gets there, that's a short hop, not in control. If you don't pull the trigger when it gets there and you wait, the funnel keeps turning, and now you're making sure. Now, Justin, if you were strong, right eye dominant, R1, L1 instead of R2, L2, mm -hmm. then you have the luxury of pulling the trigger on the B of bang, on the A of bang, on the N of bang, on the G of bang. And nothing's going to go wrong. Okay. Justin, do you understand what he means by the B, the A, the N, yeah. the G? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Will sometimes has trouble spelling, so he's got to make sure and get that. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so, okay, Justin, you can't do that. You have to pull the trigger on the B of bang. You have to pull the trigger on the front end of visual control. Because if you hang on at all with that thumb, then what's going to happen is you're going to end up with two goalposts, the bird and the barrel. Now, I want to just put that in limbo for a second because I want to address more the off-dominant position, and then we'll come back to the occlusion position, your position. Okay? Okay. Okay, so let's go back now. And I'm trying to figure out how to do this without any visual, and I think I figured it out. Okay, so we're going to take the gun, and we're going to take the front bead off the end of the gun, and we're going to take a yardstick, and we're going to Put, okay, a screw in, in the middle of the yardstick, okay, at, at where the bead is, and we're going to put the bead on the front of the yardstick. So, if you're R1, L1, on the right shoulder and the gun fits you, you're right along the axis of the dominant, of the cyclopean position. So, you're shooting exactly where you're looking. But now, Justin, let's take that yardstick and let's move the back of the yardstick over to your cyclopean position. So that back of the yardstick moves left between your nose and your right eye. Okay. What's what has happened to the front of the yardstick with okay the sight on it? Where did it move? 
it, it, I would assume it moved to the right. Correct. Okay. So, so the brain now thinks you're going to shoot to the right. So what do you do? I don't know. <laughs> if you think you're going to shoot to the right, where would you move the gun? Well, it depends on where the target's at. A target's on a, on a stick in front of you. All right. If the target's on a stick in front of me and, and the the yardsticks move to the right, I'm going to shoot towards the left. So you're going to move the gun to the left. Correct. Right. You know, I'm going to have to pay you for this podcast. <laughs> this is perfect. Okay. So you're going to move the gun to the left, right? But, but, but that's the brain's being fooled because the, the gun isn't along the cyclopean position. You understand that? Yeah. Okay. So now what you did is when you move the gun to the left, you put the bead on the target, but the gun is to the left of the target. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you have a 40 yard crosser coming left, now you've got both eyes open. Mm -hmm. If you had a 40 yard crosser coming left to right, you would have to leave the 40 yard crosser plus how much you move the gun to the left. Right. If you had a 40 yard crosser right to left, then you've already moved the gun somewhat to the left. So you'd have to lead that right to left bird minus how much you move the gun to the left. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I've got a very good friend. Uh, does some teaching here at Harford. Um, uh, uh, his name is uh, Dean Anser, and uh, he's a ultra engineer. And using very advanced software, he put together a whole thing for me on a skeet field, okay, measuring the distance between the two eyes, the velocity at the stake on the skeet field, okay, of the bird, of the trajectory, of the distance, okay, and it's all physics, okay, on station four. Okay, the left to right bird, okay, if you pulled the trigger and there was only one shot of BB in the gun and that shot of BB hit the target directly over the stake, that target would, shoot, would, would move three feet four inches, okay, uh, on the high house and three feet four inches on the low house. Do you understand that concept? Explain it again, just so we have yes. it. Just explain it one more time. Okay. So let's put you on station one of a skeet field. Okay. Okay. You've got one BB in the gun. All right. You yell pull, and that BB hits that target at the white stake <clears throat> on the skeet field. Mm-hmm. From the moment you pulled the trigger to the moment that BB hits the target, the target will travel three feet, four inches. Okay. Okay. So what you're saying is it takes three feet, four inches lead. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so the lead on high one on a skeet field in high four is exactly the same thing. It's the perceived lead that changes. Correct. 
Okay. Okay. So if you were left eye dominant shooting right handed on the skeet field, the high house would need seven feet four inches and the low house would need two feet something inches. Do you understand why? Well, explain it to me. I think I do, but explain it to me. Yeah. Okay. So what's happening is the left eye is way over from the right eye. So the distance, okay, the angle that's formed at the end of the gun is much greater than your angle. Mm -hmm. Okay. So on the high house, it's going left to right. So you have to leave it plus how much you move the gun to the left. On the low house, you would lead it minus how much you move the gun to the left. So one needs seven feet, the other needs two feet. Yeah. So you, okay, if you had, okay, a 40-yard crosser and you didn't use your thumb and you were conscious of the bird barrel relationship, then you would need six feet. Okay, for the left to right and three feet for the right to left. But here's the rub, everyone. Only if you're conscious of the bird barrel relationship. Only if you're looking at that relationship, i.e. conscious. If you're seeing the relationship, subconscious, the brain knows what to do. So we're always talking about being focused on nothing but the clay. Yep. And if you are totally absorbed in the clay, then you don't know it's seven feet one way or two feet the other. The brain does. So any minimal conscious involvement when you get tired when you have doubt, so you're holding on to the bird. No, yeah, by saying doubt, folks, means you're trying really hard to be sure the leap looks right. So now that would be for the person. That would be for the person that's off dominant with both eyes open. So they have to be on the B of bang. Because if they're right on the front end of visual control, then the brain knows what to do. They haven't given the conscious enough time to get involved. You, however, you, however, with your thumb, have a completely different reason. Same result, but different reason. Here's your reason in using your thumb, Justin. I want you to point to something off in the distance with your left hand. Okay. Okay, you're looking at the spot that you're pointing at, and your finger is kind of there. Mm -hmm. Right. Now close your left eye. Do you see how much more vivid your finger is now? Yes. Okay, so when you have that thumb up there and it blocks that left eye, 
now you have two distinct goalposts. The brain wants to go to the gap between the two of them if you let it. And the only way you let it is to make sure. Right. So you have to shoot on the B of bang for a completely different reason than both eyes open being off dominant. But same result. You have to. Your situation, if you were going to shoot both eyes open and just look at the target, Justin, your situation is if you missed a bird and Kevin said to you, you know, you shot it too fast. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't really see it. You should smile. But if he said to you, gee, Justin, you held on, you made sure you should frown. Every time you miss the bird should be on the front end of visual control, never on the back end. So what you've supported with your thumb is instead of taking the eyes to the bird and when it lights up, the gun goes off. You're taking your hands to the bird, taking the barrel looking at the relationship and pulling the trigger. So when you have all the time in the world to look at that relationship, you fall off the cliff. Oh, yeah. You're seeing the bird too clear too soon. Therefore, too long. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a fact. Now, I, I can... I can Name several scenarios where that's happened. Now, so what's the solution in your situation? Solution is you can keep using the thumb. You just have to make sure that you don't see that bird too soon, too clear. Right. But you don't need to put the thumb up there. I, I, uh, see, now, now, see, now, now you're hearing. Let me preface this whole hour. Or two hours, three hours. Well, when we're going to get through this. Okay. Uh, what you're hearing right now is the eye doctor. What you just heard was the shooting instructor. You got to remember that everything I'm saying is the eye doctor, and you have to hold that, okay, instead in relation to your coach and shooting instructor. Right. But he's absolutely right. If we can get you totally concentrating on the bird, minimizing any conscious relationship whatsoever, there's no reason why you can't shoot both eyes open. Yep. And and the thumb is going to, at some point, going to bite you in the butt because it's going to be a distraction. Now, there's ways that you can minimize the chance of getting into trouble. One would be never look down the barrel again. There's no reason to look down the barrel of the gun. Doc, explain what you mean there. Okay. In other words, the circumstance is such that, okay, the rest of your shooting life, Justin, 
you're going to work from beyond the target to the target and never inside the target line. That means your whole shooting world is from a spot. For example, let's say you've got a, a, a left to right deep quartering bird that traps 30 feet to your left. You're going to pick a spot along that target line both horizontal and vertical dimension, okay, off beyond. It could be a bush that's that's 50 feet away. It could be a tree that's 300 yards away. But you're going to be looking beyond that target line. Mm -hmm. And when you yell pull, you're going to come back to the target. When the target lights up, crisp and clear, the gun goes off. You're going to then go eyes first to the second eye pickup point, which is going to be along the target line, beyond the target line of the second bird. And then you're going to come back to the second bird, and then the gun goes off. I've heard that if before. You're, if you're beyond the target line all the time, and if a little doubt rolls in or a little fatigue, you're simply getting further away from the gun. Yeah. Also. So you're saying basically just don't focus on the trap when the bird comes out of the trap. Well, you can focus, you, you can focus on the arm of the trap if, if, if the trap's outside the break point. Inside the break point, you can do it if you are absolutely never careful. You know what it means? It means there, in other words, if the break point is so visually as close to the trap. If it's visually close, like... Uh, like an incoming or an outgoer. Okay. Like uh, like Wendell likes you, you know, look, looking at the arm. That's not a problem if, okay, as soon as that target's clear and crisp, gun goes off. Yeah. Okay, so let's track this back. I know I'm my ADD's jumping in. Okay, but let's let's track this back to that uh, B of bang. Now, you can hold. Let, let's go back to your situation where you've got the thumb. Okay. All right. You can hold onto that bird all the way across the field, Justin, as long as your focus on the bird is ratcheting in terms of visual attention. As long as you're active, then you're giving the conscious a difficult enough task to, to keep it out of the way. So on that 40-yard crosser that you're holding on to, if when you first saw it, it was soft and fuzzy, and on a scale of 1 to 10, the clarity and the amount of visual attention on that target was a 2, and then it became a four, 
and then it became a six, and then it became an eight, and when it got to a 10, the gun went off, then you would be fine. Because you've given the conscious still the task of zeroing in on that bird. But if you ever did this, Justin, if you started off on a two and went to a six and went to a 10, and then you went back to an eight and the gun went off, then you'd have your two goalposts and you'd be slowing down, getting into trouble. At the 10 is the demarcation between active and passive with your visual attention. You can only hold that 10 for an extremely brief amount of time. Correct. Very good, Will. So, is there is an amount of time. It's not instant. You've got yep. second, second and a half. No, no, no. Half a second. Half a second, Doc and I argue. It's a long time. <laughs> if you if you think if you think one thousand one, okay, is a second. That's maybe I'll give you a little more. Will <laughs> uh, okay? So that that ten, there's a line, Justin, at that ten. Anything to the left of the line is is active, i.e., okay, subconscious. Everything to the right of that line is passive, i.e., conscious. The person that's strong, right-eye dominant, shooting right-handed, he can encroach into that passive a bit and nothing happens except he gets lazy. And if he gets lazy and he's a master class shooter and one or two targets make all the difference, he'll get in trouble. You, you Justin, from the eye doctor, have the absolute best possible dominant position. From the eye doctor, and remember, this isn't the shooting coach. From the eye doctor, you're better than the guy that's R1, L1, strong right eye dominant. Because the R1, L1 guy, he gets lazy and can get away with it. You're forced to shoot like all the big boys. Hmm. All the big boys, the gun goes off at the moment of greatest visual attention. You have no choice. That's right. You also don't have whether you shoot both eyes open or whether you put a patch on, whether you wink an eye, whether you use your thumb. Okay, any of those scenarios. Okay, it's a situation where you have no choice, and right now you're using a band aid. To break more targets. Right. In order for you to make the switch, you have to make seeing the bird more important than breaking it. 
if you called me a couple weeks from now and said, hey, Rich, thanks so much. I shot a 91. I never shot in the 90s. Okay. I really, I couldn't have done it without you. I'd say, gee, Justin, that's great. But if you called me in two weeks and said, Doc, I saw a spot, okay, on 87 of those 100 birds. And I said, gee, that's great, Justin. How many did you break? And you said, break? Oh, 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 I'm not sure how many I broke. I would do cartwheels. Yeah. And I've had... I've had the luxury myself of, of dealing with, you know, a, a number of instructors that really, really understand how important it is in terms of concentration. You know, Dan Carlisle, out of the shoot, when I first started getting into this stuff, uh, you know, I'm, I, I started shooting skeet in 72. And back then, everybody was shooting pictures. They were transitioning back from pass-through to, to sustain lead, and everybody was shooting conscious pictures. Okay. And I I couldn't believe that. I wanted total concentration on the target. And then Dan came out with his video and had that 10-minute whiteboard discussion about looking at the target. And I said, I knew I was right. Okay. And then six or seven years later, Anthony comes out with his video uh, and he has that whole section on focus. Okay. Just more reinforces. Okay. What I want. Uh, and then it just goes on from there. I spent some time. Okay. With um, um, Brian, Hughes, Brian Hughes and, and um, 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 uh, obviously, uh, with with Dan and Will, and just reinforcing, reinforcing how important it is to look at the target. Brings up a hell of a good point. I might as well, I, I'm off a bit on a tangent now, but this is really important. And this is not me. Well, it is me in that I, I was doing it with all the pay, all the shooters that would come. But not to the extent. Uh, Anthony Matarisi really did a great job on this in his um, in his uh, video uh, video that he did. You know, we're always trying to get to that ten when when we're given the opportunity in terms of visual concentration. Well. The big boys know. The rest of our us mortals don't know that there's times when the conditions, the time of the day, the environment are such that you can't get a 10. Yeah. The best you're going to get is a 6. Now, this is different from having to shoot on the on on the flash or or getting a target on the blur. This is different. Okay, this is where the conditions for either the environment or you as a shooter, you've got floaters. Okay, the floaters get in the way. And so you come off of the stand. I don't want to hear you say, you know, the floaters really, the, the bird just wasn't real clear. Hey, when the bird's not real clear, 
you determine what's the clearest and that's what you shoot. So if you're there in that environment and the best it is, is a six, you have to recognize what a six looks like. Yeah. And when it's a six, the gun's got to go off. Now it's not the vision guys. It's what the vision does to the confidence doubt balance. If you accept it, it's going to be a six. Okay. Then, okay. When it's a six gun goes off, you're comfortable with it. If you're still hanging on trying to make it a 10 and it ain't going to be there, the conscious is now back into the equation and all kinds of bad things happen. And you're sorry that the ADD picked that up, but I was scared I'd forget that if I didn't bring it up right now. Yep. And, and the shooting coach will throw in that's where during the plan, you decide on what the, accept, the level of acceptability is and what the detail you can make out is based on Absolutely. that. Uh, so now let's just go one more thing that you can kind of do. And, and this is the, sh- the, 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 eye doctor. Okay. Because, uh, this is above my pay grade in relation to where and everything, but I, I, I've got to get this last one out. Doc, okay. your pay grade's pretty high, bud. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> For the off dominant person or the person that's one eye. I strongly believe that you've got to go to your eye pickup point first, then your whole point. Because if you're in a pre-mounted or cheat mount type of position, if you go to the whole point first and then the eye point, you're connected to the gun. And you want to do everything you can to see the lead, but not look at it. So how do you do this? Okay. First, you have to recognize the fact that peripheral stimulation in terms of directionality is as good as central positioning. What do I mean by all that gobbledygook? Okay. If you look at something, the next time you're at a field, okay, pick the A trap and look at the A. Look solid, okay, at the A. And then point to the C that might be 40 yards to the right of the A. While you're looking at the A, Justin, point to the C. And now take your eye off the A and look where you're pointing. You're going to be pointing dead nuts on the C. Every time. Why is that? So, because your peripheral, your peripheral stimulation is directionally very, very exact. And the reason, because the genes that couldn't do that didn't last very long when the pterodactyl flew over. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, so it's a, it's a Darwinian thing. Okay. So it's a situation where you can get a very exact hole point while you're soft focusing 
on your eye pickup point. Um, you know, there's so much more to go over. I, I, Will, you think we should end this and we'll do a part two? What do you think? Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. We can do a part two. Or you want to keep going? I'm just scared that I'm losing all the poets. Nah, nah. We're, uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's do what I'd like to do. All right. Do, first do a, a little recap on some of the things that probably raised eyebrows here. For instance, your eye dominance doesn't switch. Your eye dominance is based on how your brain is wired. The only thing that would switch it would be severe health issues or brain injuries. Right, Doc? Yep. Oh, oh, that brings up another point. Yeah, and I kind of get this one in. Oh, you know, every time you talk, we're never going to get off. Okay. So there is something that especially you instructors where you check the dominance and it just doesn't make sense. Okay. What can be a factor that can really screw up your evaluation of eye dominance is muscle imbalance. Yep. The tendency for eyes to turn in, out, up, or down. Now, I'm a little reticent about doing this, but I'm going to do it. You just got to be careful. You got to be careful when you do it. Okay. There's a way for you as a lay person to kind of get a feel for that. If someone is missing consistently above or below the target and you don't think it's related to, to, to dominant factors. Okay. If you have them look at a horizontal line, like the roof house, like the line, like the line of a roof okay. and don't let them do it. You cover one eye. Now they're not pointing or anything. They're just looking at the roof line and you move your hand from one eye to the other. If that line jumps up or down, then you know, now you're just measuring the tendency now. You're not measuring the actual deviation. But if it jumps up or down, it means there is a vertical tendency. Meaning, meaning what, Doc? Meaning, okay, there's either a congenital situation or in vertical cases, a lot of times it's diabetes or thyroid. But meaning that the gun is not shooting where it did two weeks ago or a month ago. And hmm. this is because of a health issue and yes. that's your muscle imbalance. Correct. Now, okay. if you feel as though it's a left to right thing, then have them look at a vertical line and make that move. Now, if you cover one eye and you move it to the left and it moves the same way, then it's a turning out of the eye. If it moves the opposite way, then it's a turning in of the eye. You can create that to demonstrate it 
I, I can force you to have a tendency out. So if you looked at a vertical line only two feet away and you moved, okay, your hand from right to left, you'll see the line moves left. Hmm. So, Doc, this is not very common, correct? No, no, not common at all. Yeah, okay, probably get that out there because I don't want everybody to go. That there you go. That's my problem. And and assume yeah, that, that yeah, this yeah, is extremely. A good well, one. since I've been working with you, I've seen two people with this. Yeah, so yeah. Really one person. Yeah, and yeah, and that's out of thousands, thousands. Yeah, yeah. So let me, you know, before I get off, okay. And we've got a lot more to do. Okay, but okay. Um, let me, I, you know, I've got some examples that are so bizarre. Okay, to show you how, you know, messing with dominance can have, I, there's so many people on a golf course that should be shooting because of dominance. Okay. Um, one very vivid example was someone that, got a very expensive gun and was fitted and was told that now we'll just check your gun fit at the patterning board that that this will only take okay a few minutes and four and a half hours later okay gets it completed, then goes home and he wore a patch for a couple of years and went out to the field. And the first thing his friend told him was, hey, where's your patch? Put your patch on. So for a year, he's wearing a patch comes to me ready to give up the game and he's R2L3 and the gun fitter went to great great lengths his his gun looked okay like a hockey stick okay went to great lengths to fit him at the cyclopean position and he put the patch on went right back to being way, way off the gun. I take the patch off him and he's smoking everything. And I could just go on and on and on with example after example after example. So yeah. next time we can get into stuff like gun fit, like yep. prescription, like prescription, like glasses to contacts, changing your gun fit. Yep. Okay. Uh, consciousness and subconsciousness related to related to patterning board that makes you more conscious, or going to your shooting instructor where you're in a learning, not a performing. Okay platform where you're going to be more conscious because you're learning the difference between using a Garmin okay uh, device that actually measures in real time 
the center of your of your pattern while you're shooting a bird uh, compared to the patterning board. For example, Justin, in your case with the R2L2, if you just got a little bit of extra cast off with both eyes open, you might be home free. Yeah. Yeah. So you can adjust the gun to, to correct your eye dominance, what you're saying. Said by the eye doctor. <laughs> watch, watch, I, I don't, watch Greenwood do it time after time again. Right. I don't, I don't want to get out of my shoes. I don't want, like I say, um, I, I don't I, I, I remember everything that's said here is said by the eye doctor, not the shooting instructor. Yeah, but it makes sense, you know. So. Now, you were a little reticent, okay, at the beginning that where, where we talked in terms of how complicated this stuff is. And, yes, it is complicated. But is everything falling in, Justin? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again, even though I'm part yeah. of it. Yep. But it, yep. that's that's what this is for, so you can go back and listen to it over and over again. So. You, know, you know, Doc, I was talking to Justin before we started while you were getting ready, and um, he said he was left eye dominant, and I asked him a few questions, and I knew that he was shooting, you know, master class scores. I told you, Justin, I told you at the time that we would test it, but that I would bet that you weren't going to end up being strongly left eye dominant. Yeah. Not. Yeah. And then, Doc, when you sent me the picture, I started laughing. It was exactly what I thought it would be. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about that? So, Justin, <laughs> do you see why I why I love this so much? Okay, I, I feel so good. You know, I, I can just do so much, and um, uh, and then the beauty is, then they go back to their shooting instructor, and he's got to get them to break the targets. I don't have to get them to break one target. <laughs> oh, you know what I want to do? I want to congratulate. Will Fennell on winning, okay, his uh, uh, concurrent, okay, I don't know if you call it concurrent in the World Fetus, but his age group in the World Fetus got the gold medal. Okay, he and Kurt Hallbulken, I don't know if you remember my first podcast, he was the 60-year-old with the 28 vision, okay, and the two of them were in a shoot-off together. Yeah, Kurt's been a long-time student. It was pretty special shooting off with your student for that. And, um, and this is something that we can talk about in the next next phase, but the shoot-off was in really, really dark conditions. Um, Kurt and I shot the best of the group in the shoot-off. I got lucky got ahead of him a little bit, but we were both wearing glasses that Dr. Colo made us, and we obviously – could see the targets better than the other people on the field. And one of them, a former world champion in his age group, immediately came to us and said, what are those glasses and where do he I go? Call, he, call, he called me, Will. It, and I said, well, I can see you in February. He said, no, 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 I want them now. Okay, and then <laughs> I'll, I'll change them in February if you want. <laughs> so that's wow. the, that's the uh, Dr. Colo's uh, – 
drive safe Zeiss Porsche drive safe lenses that are just phenomenal. No, 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 no. We, we're not changing. We're not turning this into an infomercial. We're good. <laughs> well, I will because they're unbelievable. I probably wear them <laughs> seventy-five to eighty percent of the time shooting now. Mm. All right, so uh, we're going to end this one. Uh, yeah. I'm sure we've got a lot more information we can cover in another one. So, um, I'm never talked out. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I appreciate you coming on with us and, and giving us a lot of information. Um, well, I, you know, I, I gave a lot. Very truthfully, Justin, the first one went so well, so well that I was scared to do another one because I, I don't, I didn't think it, it, it could ever be, you know, as good as that. And, what drove me to do it is, is I really think that it's information that can help a lot of people. It's all about growing the sport, giving people information that they never had a opportunity to get, you know, without calling you and making an appointment or talking to a coach and, and listening to what they do versus going to see them. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a lot of information that we try to give out to people and, and hopefully make them better or make them, you know, understand more and that's just what we're trying to do so 